producer. Bam. I like the turf too, boys. That's fire. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I played I, soccer my whole life. I got a hate love relationship I with turf. Too, <laughs> yeah, a Dude, little turf toe. Dude, it hurts so bad, but you want to <laughs> play on turf. The ball hits real nice on Dude, the turf. One time, you know the little like the little pebbles, little, the little rubber it, things. Yeah, you got in my eye. Oh hell no. How no? Probably still back. Probably still there, dude. It probably fucked you up for life. Now you're a rubber man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's not. It's not beneficial. But indoor soccer it's the is move, so dude. fun. So fun, bro. It's like at the walls, dude. And, uh. and soccer at the same time. It's so fun. I love indoor. I uh, ended my like soccer career it's freshman year of college. I got injured and was like, ah. That's when I ended mine too. Not because of an injury, but just like politics. I mean, it was injury for me, but that injury was also a catalyst too to like make me realize I can't do that in music at the same time. Mm. And I was like, "Ooh, good timing for that realization!" Right, freshman year of college, for, in the fall. Oh, freshman year of college, my bad. Mine. You was stopped played. in high school. Yeah. Oh, I played all through high school, bro. Oh hell yeah! I was captain division, dude. We we went hard in high school, actually. Like, a couple That's kids sick. from my team went pro, dude. We had a really, really? solid fucking team. Yeah. That's dope. And. Um, Soccer taught me a lot about life, dude. It's a great sport. It taught I just me a lot finished about Ted life. Lasso. Love that killer, show. dude. So good. Killer. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, cool. I think we are uh, ready to go. Test, test. Yeah, you cool. you are hot. Um, everything's recording. So yeah, man. Welcome. Right on. Thank you for having me, <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah, of course, man. Let's uh, just let you introduce yourself real quick so people can know who you are. Cool. No problem. So my name is Toma Andreev, and I am a manager in the electronic music scene, musician, music connoisseur. Uh, that's about it. Really on the professional title spectrum cool. of things. Um, that's me. Nice. Hell yeah. Well, welcome, dude. Thank you. Um I always like to start out the show with a fun little icebreaker question, and that is, what was your first concert? My first concert, so this one's a tricky question for me because as a kid, my parents took me to a wide range of classical music, mm. plays, etc., which definitely shaped me in an interesting way because I fell in love with words instead of the music first. Really? So I was like, okay, words are really dope. And uh, as a kid, I was always reciting poetry, remembering stories, short stories, etc. And uh, I really fell in love with speaking and just putting words together in a creative way. And then somewhere around, you know, seven, seven years old or so, I started playing guitar because I realized when my dad played me the Beatles and Zeppelin and Deep Purple, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow with Dio, uh, some of the first things I was exposed to, I realized that they were using the instruments as almost like the guitar to me was like a secondary voice. Mm, and I was like, yo, this is a form of communication that's like beyond our words. Yeah. So I fell in love with that on that tip. So as a kid, that was important. My first concert that I formally remember as like an impactful, like, oh my God, I want to play music for the rest of my life. This concert blew my mind. Yeah. Was John Mayer. And oh, that was dude. at. I want to say Northerly Island. It was somewhere in Chicago, one of the big venues. It was on his um, Room for Squares tour back in the day. This must have been like 2000 and I want to say like eight mm. or somewhere in that realm. But I remember seeing John and being like. You just felt like he was just like because, seducing okay, you and you were like. Oh. Totally. And my whole thing was like I had been really studying blues. Blues was like my itch. I was like, yo, Clapton is sending it to some other dimension 
Keith Richards is sending it to some other dimension. All these white rock and roll guys that came up in like the 60s, 70s were taking influence from African-American blues and taking that and recycling it in a really cohesive way. And then I saw John Mayer and I was like, okay, on the billboards and albums, like he sounds like acoustic Americana pop, something along those lines. Right. You just go see him live. He's like Stevie Ray Vaughan on steroids. Mm. I was like, yo, where did this blues come from? Mm -hmm. And um, He's become more that too. As he's evolved, you know for I mean? sure. Like playing Grateful Dead, doing that Absolutely, stuff. where I feel like he, that was always probably his underneath foundational passion point. And in order to break through the industry, he had to make it more digestible for people at first. Mm -hmm. And he kept it, actually did a really good job at keeping it digestible on the albums. And then on his live performance, really showing his like full spectrum of ability on the guitar mm -hmm. and on his voice and in all his like skill sets together. Like he's one of the most dynamic players of our time guitar wise. And then also one of the best songwriters of our time. And like shout out John Mayer Dude, for yeah. inspiring a lifetime of work in me to like pursue. Um, so that concert was extremely impactful to me. I remember. And then, uh, it was weird because I followed that up with an interesting string of concerts of like Jack Johnson, Jason Raz. I stuck to the J's for my first yeah, concerts. Yeah, okay. The three main J's to me were like Jack Johnson, Jason Raz, and John Mayer. And all of them had an interesting thing I liked about them that taught me a lot about music. So John Mayer was like, yo, the versatility between album and live slash like you could really like show your colors on guitar in the modern era in that spectrum of genre successfully where I thought blues was dying. Then Jason Mraz taught me like really creative wordplay where like his lyrics just like hit and his rhymes gets almost like a rapper with a really good voice hit like some tropical Hawaiian vibe shit. And then Jack Johnson taught me that simplicity is important because mm -hmm. Jack Johnson fits in a spectrum of like I'm in this range and it's one little niche range, but I do it really well. It's also wholesome. It's wholesome. And the yeah. content is wholesome where it reminds me of Bob Marley in the sense where it's like, okay, the music feels good, but the message is also on point. Yeah. It's not like super complicated, virtuosic music. A lot but of people can grasp onto it. Yeah. yeah. So those three concerts were, were those three people in concert. And that was all through high school. So... For me, like at that age, you know, you turn 13, 14 and so on and so forth. Those are the ages where your brain really starts developing. And I really started to dive deep into my passions. Like I was a pretty good guitarist by the time I hit like freshman year of high school. But it was from that point on that I really took like a really deep dive into it and sent it to the moon. I got Pro Tools, started getting other instruments and really started piecing things together, started putting bands together. And my life took off. I was never bored as, as a kid. Good, good. That's good, man. I have a couple, you know, different paths we can go here. But one thing I just wanted to ask was, uh, you know, what what was one of your like? So you're a manager now. You wear different hats too. But was your what was your artist name? Oh, my artist name was <laughs> yeah. So my first name like is super killer. So like I just kept it always as Toma. Yeah. Never, never let the last name kind of slip. I pulled a Bono on the mm. world where mm -hmm. I was always just Toma, but I had projects always like, um, so my first band in high school was called parties with Adam and it was an inside joke on a party we went to in high school 
where like this dude Adam was just being ridiculous and just really cheesy with the guitar and he started singing to these girls and oh, we were like man. dude that's that so guy. corny yeah. so we had a running joke that was like it's not a party unless Adam's there mm. so parties with Adam thus and um then that was a pop punk project which was interesting because I didn't even like pop punk at the time but my homies were like it's, we should just play this and I was like all right and uh <laughs> we got pretty big and like then realized we don't want to do pop punk for the rest of our lives oh my god mm. so we took a major step back disassembled and in college I started a blues project called soul shine which I really enjoyed playing on and Going into college, I really just wanted to be a guitarist, man, mm. or a bass player. I want to stay on strings and stick in the blues world. I was convinced from John Mayer and from Gary Clark Jr. and from you know the Jack White trajectories of the world that it was doable. So I was like, I'm gonna go to Chicago and kind of build that a in, good in a place city to do blues yeah. in a city where the blues. But is a guy, <laughs> like you know. exactly. This city is famous for the blues. There's so much good blues that's come out of it. So I felt really comfy in the city. And then I met this kid, Shane, in college at DePaul, who, like, was this rogue producer dude. And he um, opened up my creative Pandora's box to, like, production and Ableton and, like, sound engineering. And I was like, oh, my God, this isn't just pressing a button and doing a thing. Yeah. This is actually, like, engineering sounds and putting them together in a really comprehensive way. So then, naturally, I'm a, I'm a nerd, dude. Like, me, me too. Like, I'm the biggest nerd. So if you could catch my nerd in some kind of way, if you could stroke that, I will take it to the moon. <laughs> so he opened that up for me, and I um, decided to start making electronic music. And uh, at the time, I met another friend, Alex Cunningham, and me and him were throwing events at his house, and the cops kept coming. Mm. So at one point, we had an idea, and we're like, we should just start a production company and just start throwing events at clubs and venues instead. So we opened up a production company called Proper Productions. And at that time, people like Manic Focus had just moved down to Chicago with his brother Joe. Um, Artifacts was killing it at the time. Branks, etc. We started mm. bringing some of these artists out. We even did Closey's first show in America wow. at the Abbey Pub. Shout out, Chloe. Um, we're doing Micro Worlds tour with her with Abel Gray. That's going to be exciting. Cool. Um, but at that time, my point was that uh, we got interested in putting on events and it was kind of random. Like it didn't, I never had a foresight to, to be in the music business at all. Mm. But that was like where I got my feet wet on it. And um, while I have this production company up and running, um, I got asked to guitar tech for uh, Zeppelin II, which is the biggest Led Zeppelin cover band in the world. And um, they're all amazing. Greta Van Fleet. No. <laughs> Dude, they also throw mean Led Zeppelin cover, right? So that band was awesome because they were all, all old rock and roll guys who had been around either in like the 90s scene or the 80s scene uh, in one way, shape, or form on a really big level. Uh, like Paul Camp, the guitarist, which was my girlfriend's dad at the time. Uh, he worked with, like the Smashing Pumpkins in the 90s, like really seasoned musicians that knew what they were doing and being on the road with them. I remember being on that bus and uh, just doing guitar tech work and the drummer was also the tour bus driver and I was like, man, I really want to like just do the music industry thing like for the rest of my life. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play or whatever, make it in that aspect, but I definitely don't want to leave. And he goes, you know how to not to leave, kid? I was like, how? And he's like, just learn how to do everything. He was like, then you'll never not have a place. No matter what, you could always be 
the next thing, whether it's a sound guy, a light guy, a manager, a musician, there's always room for something somewhere, somehow. And I took that with me as like a token of like, go kid, like if you want to stay in this industry, you totally can. So musically, you know, things were always evolving for me. Um, but mine, again, nerd in me was like, I, the music just wasn't enough for some reason always. I wanted to curate on a higher level. I had like a vision for like where it was going. Like as an industry, as a genre, I'm always thinking like, where is this heading? I try to see things full spectrum. So in order to like sit in a position where I could have some kind of like chance at legacy from what I do with my life, um, I thought that curating on a higher level would be adequate for, for me as on top of being a musician. So pandemic hits and um, everything kind of ceased to exist for a little bit. And at the time I was like kind of heavy into drugs before the pandemic and um, I kind of got lost in my ways for a little bit. And the pandemic hit and at that point I was like coming out of a fog already. Like 2017 through 20, I was like, all right, let's just get my shit together type deal. And by 2020, I had kind of already like formulated this idea a little bit uh, with my buddy Jim that I brought today. Uh, I got to credit him for uh, being like the partner to like the think tank that kind of started this idea of like, let's put a roster together of painters and musicians and managers and let's put team behind this and see kind of what we could curate with our brains. And we craft this idea of starting a collective at first called Creative Classics. And that collective eventually grew into my roster today, uh, which includes five guys, um, five groups. The, the, yeah, the, the chain five guys the, is included. The chain five guys, yeah. Sponsor us, yo, we need yeah. french fries for yeah. days. Um, which consists <laughs> of Kofresi. He was my, uh, I guess, second guy. I'll take Jim. James Murphy was my first. He's a painter. Me and him kind of think tank this up. And then ran into Kofresi, and I had known him from like 10 years ago, 15 years ago when I was booking shows from Chicago. We ran back into each other in Denver, and then uh, he was like, yo, do you want to send it to tour manage on this run? We were doing like summer camp and a rise and something else. Mm. And um, I sent it for one weekend, two weekends with him. And right away we were like, okay, this is cohesive. This is really cohesive, this working relationship we got. And um, his manager was trying to take a step down at that point, which uh, was understandable. Aaron had been in the industry for a long time. Um, so he uh, passed the torch to me. I then had Kofresi. And then in the meantime, in Denver, I picked up Say What, who is like, mm -hmm. uh, I call his genre ratchet jazz. <laughs> okay. And uh, I picked him up and then Kaleidoscope, which is a funk jam band. And then this last December, Abel Gray came on board and I am officially closing my doors as far as like more artists. There might be one sneaky one coming in at the end of the year, but we're going to keep that under wraps for now to make that official. But um, for the most part, we are staying where we're at. I picked up uh, another partner as well, John Sweeney, who is Prop Cause's old manager. And uh, he has an origin with, with Ben as well because Ben's, Kofresi's origin is with Prop Cause. He was doing a tour with him, doing live drums with him. So his start on the scene was kind of through Prop. And um, it's gone weirdly full circle, bringing on John. And uh, shout out John, he's been a great help. And I'm just at a point right now where like um, 
just expanding the team has been kind of where my mind's at. I've kind of filled my roster up to like a group of guys I really cherish. And uh, you got right, a solid nucleus. A solid nucleus, dude. The foundation is really, really strong right now. And uh, every guy on my team has got like a unique set of skills, unique talents, and we all fill in each other's gaps. And then on the back end, my team is amazing. And uh, just trying to expand on that at this point. But to kind of go full circle on you, I never expected to be a manager. Mm, okay. To wrap that up in a full circle way, I yeah. never expected to be a manager. I kind of thought I was going to be a blues guitarist. And I just ran into this and was like, I like this. Yeah. And you had a lot of experience. And I, I kind of want to go back to that thing that the bus driver, drummer, told you mm -hmm. as advice. Shout and out, Ian. Something that would worry me now is that like being a jack of all trades is like a master of none Good but distinction but it is good advice in the sense that like from my own experience is just keep moving forward and learning new skills because you're going to end up in a place where you know what to do with them totally and but i so I think that that is really good advice and I think that, the that advice was solid and what you said is actually very applicable my little brother you know no offense, little bro. He always is like, I got a new thing that I'm trying to pursue. And he's young, so he has an excuse to do that. Yeah, and I always totally. encourage him to. But at the end of the day, I always make that point of like, master of none, jack of all is not the system. But to loosely get your interest going in things, yeah. go figure out what they're doing. Go to the soundboard one day and be like, hey, what are you doing, sound guy? Just go peep game. Go to the light guy, see what he's doing. Go talk to the roadies. Go talk to the techs. Talk but, to that. but that's all within music still. It would be it different if you were bouncing like, oh, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm doing video games now. Oh, now I'm doing uh, videography. Now I'm doing, I mean, they, if we're going to talk about like content, I guess that might all work together. But you probably want to find something like that guy was saying, you know, if you want to keep doing music, just try to do everything. Because it's music. all within one house at the end of the day, right? So yeah. like if you're a, like, let's put it through just a, uh, the point of a focal point. So meaning that like the perspective you see things behind, it matters. And in music, even if you're a musician, understanding what your manager does, understanding what your light guy does, understanding what your sound guy does, understanding what your PR team does, understanding what your booking agent does. Yeah. Those are all important things for you to know as a musician and important for me to know as a manager and important for our photographer to know too. Because at the end of the day, we're all one well-oiled machine under one roof that is just music. Yeah. And it's an industry, just like yeah. medicine would be an industry, and it would be helpful to probably know what your nurses do. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Probably got to go to medical school for that one. Totally. Yeah. Eight years. Put them in, dude. About 15,000 hours or whatever they say is the limit. It's Yeah, that's a lot. I believe it's more than 10,000 hours personally. Like Everyone's like, put in 10,000 hours. I'm like, put, oh, in, yeah. put in 50. Put in 100, bro. See where that, get, that goes. Yeah, the that's pursuit real. Even should if be you're endless. thinking about it, too, that's like putting in hours, I'd say. Visualizing... The pursuit should be endless, I yeah. think. And I always tell my guys this too, because as artists, as creators, period, let's just put it that way. Anyone who's putting themselves out there, we're our worst critics, man. Yeah. And sometimes we like to compare each other to other people who are doing the same thing. I never believed in that formula. I was like, you should always have yourself as your own competition and be at the pursuit of yourself getting better and then only use others as inspiration. Whereas like sometimes we get caught up in like, oh my God, that person's killing Comparing, it and I'm yeah. doing X, Y, Z. And I had a, uh, 
I remember this conversation really well with my uh, godfather. I was in college and I was doing music, but like very new to it. And we were talking and he was telling me, he told me it in Greek and... You're Greek, by the way? I'm Greek, yeah. I'm Bulgarian. We're brothers. Oh, yeah. Hell I, yeah. yeah. I grew up like an hour away from the Greek border. So, yeah, you and you you moved here. We can talk more about like we'll that, dive that into whole that journey. After, but, yep. but he told me, he was like, you know, one bean at a time and the sack fills up. And I love that. That's my one brick at a time. Yeah. And it's the same thing as that, that, you know, he was like telling me that, you know, I went to high school with some guys and like they burnt out and like, you know, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, I only recently started making pretty good money and like I'm whatever, 50, but almost, yeah, something like that at that time. And that always stuck with me. And I feel like my mentality has been, you want to be the turtle in the race. You don't want to be the hare that like burns out and just if you keep moving and like you're going to stop, something's going to happen that's going to push you back. But like, but like if you just keep getting back on the horse, I think that that is not to be like too fucking cliche or anything. But at the end of the day, there's like the biggest wisdom and persistence and not giving up. Right. Like I said in the beginning, before we had the podcast on soccer taught me a lot about life. I played soccer as a kid. Yeah. And my coach one day was like, we lost the game bad. It was like 5-0. We got slayed, like one of the first games of the season. And he's like, you got to learn how to lose before you learn how to win, guys. So let's dissect this game. And then that moment didn't really ring in my ears until like mid-20s leading up to now where it's really was like reminded to me in my head that that man said that because I took that and took it into my life as – it's okay if we have a failure. It's okay if you make a mistake. The important thing is where the lesson lies in each one of those things, whether it's a, a, yeah. a pivot point you have to take, an improvement. Uh, a lot of times we don't see as people the point of something until 10 years later. Sure. So when something's happening to you in your life, whether it's good or bad, just know that it's probably happening for a reason and try to find what that reason is, what that silver lining might be, where that lesson lies in what's in front of you because life is fruitful whether it's good or bad. And I think being patient enough to get to the anywhere that you're trying to go that satisfies your goals, um, it's it's a pursuit. It takes time. Yeah, being a, like a practitioner. like you gotta, It's a great way to put it. I like thinking out of that, like that there's really no like mastery. It's just like I just practice to be better. But anyway, not to get too much down the like whatever we call that, like self-help type of deal. self-help rabbit hole. But this all makes sense as someone who's a manager because you're dealing with people who are generally emotional. Let's just put it that way. Like a lot of artists. We don't have to lie about that. We're sensitive souls artists. I mean, yeah, I'm, we're all emotional beings, whether or not we realize it, but I would say artists wear it on their sleeves a little bit more. A little more vulnerable with it. But as someone who deals with artists, um, you know, like, I guess like a very broad question. Like, well, actually I wanted to say this too. It's kind of like being a coach a little bit. You want to oh, be yeah. like the the coach helping them. You're, you're the, if they're a boxer, you're like the guy that comes out and, and pretty much <laughs> tells them like, yo bro, you got this. What are we here for? Like you try to get mm-hmm. them zoned in. But I guess like a general question I want to ask is like, how do you cultivate that? Is that just been like a life, like your life to get yeah, there? Yeah. So in my life, uh, I think moving across the pond and having to like intermingle in a completely different ecosystem of culture 
made me really adaptable and like really observant to people and people's behavior. Uh, so like people mastery or dealing like the, like I like the word diplomacy a lot. I think diplomacy is like an art form, right? Mm. So being able mm -hmm. to like work with people and find middle ground yeah. and that's always been a skill set that's been with me. Right, let I'm, me ask you this. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger brother. He's 10 years old. Okay, you're older. Yeah. The oldest. See, I'm the diplomatic. Me and my sister are both diplomatic in the family. Let's just put it that way. But it's interesting how, like, generally, if you have siblings, one person ends up being more diplomatic. Oh, my brother is anti-diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> He's dictator. He's like, red button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So uh, me and my mom are definitely, like, diplomatic in the sense where we're always mediators mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. family between the states, grandparents, my mom and my dad, me and my brother. Like, somehow yeah. me and my mom are always in some kind of mediating factor. Sure. Um, which definitely has bred me in a certain way. Um, so that's always been a part of me. But, like, managing to me is, like at its foundation like what you said it's like a coach but like in order to be a good coach you have to understand what the vision is so like i like to take every one of my artists and like i, I work with you if i really see your vision and if my vision and your vision work well together because if i'm not equally as passionate about your project and about the overall vision i can't be the, b the best coach for you no matter how hard i try because at the end of the day, like for me, this is a creative pursuit, even on the managerial side of things. Mm. So I, I try to just like be the artist that also doesn't have to be the artist in some scenarios. So I think I, that puts me in a unique position. I think being a musician and an, an artist before I was ever a manager yeah. lets me understand the needs of the artist as an artist and the needs of the industry as like what needs to happen to push projects forward. So that lets me sit kind of on a weird like North South Korea like border where I feel like those two worlds clash a lot of times where it's like business and art are like a weird working non-working relationship where it's yeah. kind of almost a little there's toxic. There's compromise. There's a lot. There's of a compromise. lot of compromise, and that that's something I realized. There's a, a lot, lot of compromise. There's a lot of compromise, and there's a lot of like picking yourself up by the bootstraps and trying things over and over again. So the yeah. resilience factor is, is something that's important that I try to drill in all my guys. Like be resilient. Like if we fail at something, that's just another way to figure out how not to do something. Let's find out how we can adjust this. But um, I think that really just like the passion that we equally pour into it. Like I really feel like I'm a part of every single one of my guys' projects so intimately in the music, the visuals, the bookings, the care we put into each one of these projects is is not a one man operation. So like I I'd like to take credit for more things, but the reality of it is we all pull so much weight. Mm. And uh, it takes a team to it takes a village. That kind of mentality is kind of what's needed to propel you in this industry. If you have good music and we're confident of the fact that this music is good, something special is in it. Right. Then we have to build a family around that piece of music and that mm. person mm -hmm. and nurture that like a village would in order to bring it to where it needs to go to be heard by as many people as possible. Like I said, in that bringing it back to the to the tour bus driver, understanding that like it's really a dance between so many people is amazing. Like this last weekend, we did Grid Life, and um, I love that festival, Grid Life. Shout out Collective, shout out Grid Life. You guys do a great job out there. But I love that festival for a reason because they always take care of us really, really well. And uh, I I had that moment this last weekend where I I'm 
had the reaffirmation moment that like everyone here matters. The security guards, I was like, you guys are killing it. Thank you. The artist relations person, Anya, she was so on point taking care of everyone all the artists were pitching in like boogie t shout out boogie t giving us an extra seven minutes so we could do our thing and take up our full hour and we adjusted things between each other as artists and everyone when they're working together for a common goal which is to put on the greatest show put out the best music we can uh things go great so my philosophy with all my artists always is what's the common denominator boys in every success story on the planet with music the music if you're ever wondering why you're struggling in your career <laughs> for whatever reason, you should probably go back into the tunes first and yeah. see if and double cross reference if the tunes are where they need to be. Yeah. And like uh I always think that like like mix quality arrangement creativity. Music, yeah, yeah like, absolutely. Go sure. back into the music because like I always give the example of Kanye, bro, or Michael Jackson or something. You could be weird. You could be crazy. You could be Van Gogh cut your ear off. But no one's going to argue with a good track or a good painting. At the end of the day, we can we can even separate the art from the artist and say, okay, yeah, that was a great album, but this motherfucker's crazy. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I'm I, saying? I'm very okay with the Me separation. Too. Me too, because at the end of the day, I really don't feel possession to the, the crafts. I think that we're almost antennas or like mailmen. Yeah, yeah. We're meant to deliver it to the people. <laughs> mailmen, that's it, funny. It doesn't oh, I just belong got, to us. I just got like uh, an idea slash song yeah, in a piece of mail. And totally, I'm gonna write dude. It. Divinely yeah. sent to us from the universe. We're just meant to craft it, shape it, and deliver it to the people. It doesn't belong to us in the way of like possessions do. Like where I'm like, yo, these jeans belong to me. That song belongs to the world. So my job and my artist's job is just to get that piece of music to its best form. Like I really have been inspired by Rick Rubin in my life. Yeah. Rick Rubin is the type Great. of guy who's always trying to pull the best piece of music out of whoever's in front of him because he knows the secret sauce is the music. At the end of the day, he took Johnny Cash. Great example. Yeah, I just watched his 60 Minutes. Amazing, dude. Yeah. Like For everyone who doesn't know Rick Rubin, dive into him. One great story of him is like Johnny Cash goes on a 30-year hiatus, like not making any music, depressed, etc. He's like, my career ended when it ended. And at the end of his life, Rick Rubin brings him in and he's like, we could do something here, dude. Like, let's find where the gold is at. Find him a Nine Inch Nails yeah. song, Hurt, which Nine Inch Nails, okay, rather successful. But putting that same song, which is about regret, to be saying by a, at the end of his life, Johnny Cash. Mm -hmm. was so impactful so like pulling the best piece of music out of johnny cash at the end of his life pulling the best music out of mac at the end of his life like rick rubin believes in like yo if that artist is talented we could pull some gold out of them mm -hmm. so once i see a guy called them little golden nuggets in the music when i see a golden nugget in the music our job from there on out or the art or whatever is to make that golden nugget develop into the best piece of music or art that we could possibly make that's interesting that you say nugget because i was just listening to a mr bill podcast episode with uh seth drake who's like a mix engineer who, nice who's done yeah i'm aware of him he's so a beast. many he's a beast but he talked his like methodology is talking about specifically in mixing and mastering is finding the nugget what is the <laughs> I love what that. is it about what Other is people. this what is necessary in this song exactly and then base everything around that and that's more specific but I guess just 
that nugget idea. That's like when my guys bring me cool. ideas. I mean, all my guys can vouch for this. Like they bring me ideas all the time. I'm really concerned at first listen if there's any golden nuggets in there. Hmm. If I find something that's saucy in there, we can work and develop around that. Uh, great example of that is we went out to New York with Kofresti to record with Modest Yahoo. We had uh, I listened, my friend sent me that track the other day. Yo, I'll shout that track Randomly. out right now actually because that's a great track. If you haven't listened to it, Modest Yahoo and Kofresi put out a it, Bob Marley Is This Love rework. It's amazing. It hits on new era of genre, but still keeping that classic undertone. But anyway, so we went to New York to record that song. We had that in mind to go record. They started messing around with this beautiful day sample where the little kid was like, it's a beautiful day, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a viral video on the internet. Mm. And that one little sample we just started playing around with and like, it was a golden nugget in itself. And I said that from the get-go. I'm like, that sample is a golden nugget. And they put together this amazing song, which now we're sitting on. So we'll see if that comes out in the near future, guys. <laughs> but um, the point of it is like, it just took one sentence that was a golden nugget for us to literally, within 12 hours, have a pretty complete, cohesive track. I don't know what's going on outside right now. We're in Chicago, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I, so I, there's cars, ambulances, I, and trains. And, and I also just say, fuck it because I want to keep it cool in here and uh, we keep the, the city ambiance sometimes too for funsies well, the also. The sounds of the urban environment are just as valuable, I think. I uh, I agree. I agree. If you don't like it, I mean, I could put a gate on it. I, don't I, know. I, had, a <laughs> I had a weird moment where I moved to the city and uh, I've always been a city guy, man. And anytime I like now go back to my parents' house to just like stay there for the weekend or whatever, it's too quiet. It's they live in the suburbs. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I can't sleep. Freaks it's too out. quiet. I yeah. need a train. I need an ambulance. I need someone yelling something in the alley. I agree, dude. It's weird. Yeah, my ears are like ringing, and then it's making me like think about, oh no, I've done damage to my ears, and I'm like, <laughs> just get, I get like tweaked out by it. It's too, it's too quiet. It's too quiet. Where well, you kind of get used to that, and I'm actually the kind of guy who can't stand silence which is weird i i get the comfortable silence thing and i'll enjoy a good comfortable silence with someone sure but for the most part i like to have some kind of sound going even if it's a fan mm. that that'll do if that's the bare essential let me ask you on the management front what does the day-to-day -day look like because you say you know you're, mm. you're out in new york you're you're, you're kind of like it seems like you're tagging along a lot of time you want to be Ooh, there so too. i'll dive into that actually yeah, a little yeah. bit so my day-to-day on a Monday to Friday tip has a lot of correspondence. Uh, correspondence between me and my artists, correspondence between booking agents, correspondence between photographers and myself, correspondence between talent buyers, labels, PR companies, etc. It's a lot of correspondence really and like really piecing together the puzzle pieces of like this thing I call like the machine behind the music yeah. which to me is pretty structural where you can pick it apart uh, you can pick apart the parts that are needed you need marketing you need promo you need PR you need licensing you need booking you need all these facets that go into the industry to make it complete so my day-to-day -day is spent figuring out that puzzle at all times however I always doubled myself up to tour with my guys, whether I have a tour manager on with them or not. I'll send it to as many events as I can because I understood something really important over the last couple of years. And it's that no matter how much communication you put behind a computer screen or a phone, it's never going to be as impactful or solidified until you put a face behind it. 
I've had so many examples of this where I'm like, oh, I don't know about this person because the only correspondence we've yeah, had is through yeah, email. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I meet them in a green room or we hop on the phone, even bare minimum voice to voice. And I'm like, oh, you're cool. We yeah. could work together. Now I've caught the vibe of the person you are. And it makes business much later, much easier when I can call you and be like, yo, did you check the soccer game out last night? Or, oh my God, Grizz just announced this thing. We geek out over just news or whatever random things because we're friends yeah. and then at the end of the conversation we get to whatever we have to tackle whether it's a show or a label contract or whatever i think putting people are like don't mix friendship with business i'm like i don't know i like to mm. have my business close to home if that makes sense where i like know what Going you're about back to the the village the village i believe in that idea like we've tried to like uh, accelerate ourselves through technology and that's definitely happening and, uh, but I think the nuance to that is that we have to still remain true to our foundation, which is very intrapersonal and like how we are in this room today. Like anybody listening to this podcast, I love podcasts cause they get you the closest to like the intimate room Fly of, on the wall. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where you can kind of be a part of the room, but it's like until we're face to face and feeling each other's energy and vibrations in the room, like it's there's yeah. something missing there i've done yeah like video or like zoom call podcast not the same late not the latency same. i mean it's like not bad but not, it's not it's not the same it saved but. us in a time where we couldn't be together let's just put it that way like sure. covid automated a lot of things and allowed us to recognize that in dire straits we could at least communicate in some way shape or form but when we're given more more wiggle room than that we should do more face-to-face -face things and i like to create as many intimate uh relationships as i can within my inner circle of life and then my professional circle of life as well where i felt throughout my career that it's been easier to work with people who have a genuine fondness and appreciation for each other's craft and each other's person sure so you know you have a full plate, it sounds like. You know, you it, it sounds like you wake up in the morning, you got shit to do. And I and that's good. Yes. But I'm curious, I don't know, like, you know, someone who's maybe trying to get into management or mm. something, like how would you know, they don't they don't have a full plate. What do you start doing? Like are you cold calling? Like, you know Yeah, so I uh I was given this advice too from an older gentleman in the industry on management um and uh he said go go do some proof of concept meaning like get someone you think is talented who's not famous who's not popular yet but you see some talent in and then go offer your services for free yeah and then go prove to yourself and to those people that you can make something happen if you are pretty sure that, that music is sauce and it's gonna do its thing then go test your skills out with someone who's at the same level of entry level as you. Find that other underdog out there who's trying to do their thing in their particular corner, and then you do your thing in your particular corner, and eventually you can have enough precedent that shows that you do good work to where the universe will provide you with an artist, a group of artists, and uh, you can run that up in a professional way. But just like anything else in life, Go show what you got, you know, go to a duty and do the internship like uh, Loper um, Taboo and Wakan's manager and Liquid Strangers manager. He just put out an internship not that long ago for um, 
for Wakan for for his roster. Yeah, that'd be a great. You know what I'm saying? Like go go yeah. either find a company where they're offering an internship or go run the internship yourself, like I did. I I just ran that internship myself. I was like, I'm not waiting for someone to hire me. Screw that. I was like, I'm just gonna run this independently. And I really grew up in Chicago, where Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa and guys in this city really took independence to like another level when I was growing up in the city. Mm. So uh, I always believed that like if someone's not gonna give you an opportunity, go grab it yourself. And uh, I've always been that kind of guy. I watched my parents move to this country. We immigrated. We won green cards, which is crazy. It's another crazy story, like a lottery, a green card lottery. But I watched my parents wow. come here. And start from zero and go all the way to a hundred and have all the challenges in front of them more than most people I saw. And uh, I think that shaped me in a certain way. That, to that kinda, probably shaped you. Yeah, to kind of take yeah. what I want and, and run with it, even if there's no one there to hand you the opportunity. Uh, but I would recommend, you know, like peeping game on like my whole thing is always remain teachable. So if you're not sure about something, the best place to start is like, in a job shadowing situation where it's like, find another manager mm. and hit them up in the DMS or shoot them an email, find their phone number and be like, Hey, I really like what you're doing. And I've actually done this with, with a couple guys in the game before, like John right now that I just took on my team as well. I mean, he started off as a mentor to me and now we're working together. Whereas like, I really just appreciate when someone's got something to teach me. And usually if you go up to someone, like if someone came up to me today and was like, Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I, I like what you're doing. Can you teach me, you know, some of the ways to do this? I would be honored to, because at the end of the day, when you have gotten pretty good at something, the best thing to do next is pass it down. You see artists do it all the time too, uh, where you blow up and then like grammatic, I, uh, I got a chance to witness that project of low temp pretty intimately around X mag and grammatic during like the mid 2000s, 2012 through like 20. I had a lot of entanglement with them and it was cool to see grammatic start as a singular piece project move into Pretty Lights fam, intermingle in right. America, and then right. all of a sudden start low temp. He started putting on Russ Liquid and X-Mag and all these guys. And I saw that and was like, the next piece of the puzzle is passing it down for sure. Yeah. I, it's good that you like see that because it's it's easy, I think, to be like, oh, I worked so hard to get here. I need to hold on to it. It is. And the ego in us wants that. I think in most cases, we want to shelter what we've built. Mm -hmm. But I think control is the ultimate paradox in life. You have to let you go know, of control yeah. to get it. Yeah, that is that's real. I never thought that's of it like deep, that. Right? That is deep. Yeah. Well, it just seems like a smart thing to do is delegate. Like yeah. people come to you and want to help how do I put you to work? Yeah, turn them from a liability into an asset, always. You know what I'm saying? Like, if someone wants to work, put them to work somehow. Let them earn their bones. Like, we had a great photographer at one point, Carly Adair, and she was just like this underdog who was just taking really great pictures, and we kept hiring her for events. And now, just watching Carly go, amazing. Where, like, if you see talent in a young cat, bring him on. And I know Peter and Abel Gray was on this podcast as well, talking about X medias and what he does with that label and trying to pick people up that, you know, give them an equal opportunity if they're just good, period. If you got talent, let's see what we can do. And, uh, that's a delicate balance too. You don't ever want to fill up your own plate too much. Don't take bigger bites out of the apple than you can. Like what he said earlier, building like a brick at a time or wh however you yeah, put yeah, it yeah. is the move for sure. But eventually like that grows and, you'll be surprised before you're halfway there how far you've come.
you just put yourself out there and be confident in just starting. I think the hardest part of life and anything is just <laughs> yeah. starting, right? Well, because it's so uneasy when you're starting. It is. So uh, awkward. Like, even when I think back on, like, internships that I've had. Scary kind doing, of, Doing, right? like, stagehand stuff. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Do mm -hmm. I even like doing this? But then down the road, I'm interviewing for something else. And you're like, oh, we love that you have stagehand experience. And it's of like, course. okay, yeah, well, that's. You know, you never know how these things They're are going to play happen. out. Where are you going to use? I didn't end up taking too. this job, but it's just like that was just like a feedback thing. That's like okay, it's good to yeah have all that experience. Absolutely, and yeah, like, you never know. You never know, and putting yourself in as many situations to learn. Like I like always remain teachable for real in every situation. Even when I'm watching something random on TV, like I put on space documentaries because I love space, dude. <laughs> Who doesn't love space? Like literally, dude? like give me something about space and aliens and quantum physics. I'm pretty much set for ten hours. Yeah, and um. Dude, even like that information, like I'm not a physicist. My father's a physicist, but I'm not a physicist. But it invigorates my mind so much to where like I bring that into conversation much like I am right now in this podcast. So no knowledge is wasted knowledge. And the brain has a great way of taking every bit of information and finding a useful place for it. Mm. Whether you're consciously aware of yeah, that no, or not. I, I was thinking about that the other day, too, that it's like, how much information can you actually take in? And it's it, does, it seems boundless. But is it though? I don't know, but it's like there's things that you'll be reminded of. They're like, oh yeah, I did do that, or like that did happen, or what, or I do know about that. But where am I pulling that? Absolutely, from? <laughs> and like I've been amazed at how many things just resurface later in time that like were tucked away for periods of time. Yeah. So I think like that's one of the most interesting pieces of our uh, evolution right now is like where's the capacity of the human mind going? I know. Yeah. It's very, and that's an interesting like door to open for us to yeah. explore. And there's people out there who that's, that's their passion. And I love that about the human race is that we all have unique passions and they all matter to like this greater ant colony. I love using an ant colony as an analogy it's a great, yeah. because each ant doesn't necessarily know like what the agenda of the ant colony is as a whole is, but it knows its individual part and each ant doing their individual part eventually makes up the colony being successful. Correct. Right. Yeah. So like we kind of work in that same way where like everything we do is purposeful and fits into the greater good of like well, our people so or that's bad. the thing is you guys are all driven mm. but i think about people who literally don't know what to do with their hands they're like i don't even know where to start and that's kind of like what we were talking about before is just starting and i don't know it's like i don't have you seen that movie beach bum or like mm. there is just the concept of like having everything you could ever want money whatever like you grew just up just off a, a whim what, yeah like you just won the lottery but like somehow you're just depressed because you're just not you just have to be doing you have something, to be doing you know something that's I mean? like when people get successful for instance if you don't have a next thing yeah. that you're trying to pursue because okay let's say you set a goal to me like the ultimate high in life is like setting a goal and achieving it like i've done all the drugs trust me ain't no high <laughs> better than setting a really high goal for yourself and hitting it at yeah. the end of the day so um it's good to set those goals for yourself and just go out there and try them. Yeah. I think that we almost stumble upon what we're supposed to be doing in the action of just trying things as opposed to like, I figured it out when I was five, like, <laughs> yeah. and then I ran with that forever. Like, I think it's scary to like, think about the thought of like, what's my purpose on the planet? Yeah. I don't even think about that. Cause I'm kind of the same. You were saying like, you don't even, you don't love just like quiet time. I'm kind 
I'll do it intentionally, like Me meditation, mm-hmm. but but that's still intentional. And then also like, yeah, I just I like to move like a shark. Just keep Me too. pushing water through the gills. Same. Like, just keep going. Same. And there's a time and a place for everything for sure in life. Or like there's time for me time and downtime. But even in that downtime, my brain works in such a way where it just can't not be doing something. My dad at one yeah. point, my life was in a weird place. And my dad was trying to dissect like why I was so unhappy and unhealthy at the time. And he goes, walk me through your like day from the time you wake up. And I was like, I don't know. I wake up, I smoke a cigarette. I, uh, you know, I get high a little bit and I'm like, I really got nothing to do after. He goes, stop right there. He goes on the whiteboard. He goes, nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Underlines it three times, circles it. He was like, if you could solve this part of your life, you will solve every other issue by just finding yeah. something to do. Isn't yeah. that rather easy? And I was like, yeah, I think this man's on to something. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, it's such a simple concept, but I almost feel sad for people that Me feel too. lost in that. I actually do too, yeah. where people don't know I know what to people do. where Same. I'm just like, dude, you're so smart. Just do, just I don't, do it doesn't something. even matter. Just do anything. You would kill it in anything because that brain, I tell I have guys like that too, where I'm like, oh my God, you have a remarkable brain on those shoulders, bro. Just do anything with it. You would probably be successful. But that is the saddest thing. We talk about it all the time. And I actually, that's a good note for managers. Always remind your artists and your team how lucky we are to do this every single day. And if you really love what you do and you're doing it out there, you know that feeling I'm talking about where you get on stage or you go behind the operating booth or whatever it is that you do at a professional level out there that you're passionate about. We're really lucky to be doing it at that level. So, uh, and that feeling of gratitude comes from realizing that there's people out there who aren't fulfilling themselves in that Mm -hmm. way. And that we really are lucky if we found something that we love and that we like when people ask me like, Oh, I'm trying to get in this industry. I always ask them like, and this probably is something that any person in any industry would bring up if they're a professional in it. It's like, do you love this to the point where like you would be doing this probably anyway, if you weren't getting paid Mm. or would you do this in the middle of a hurricane, like trying to still piece the puzzle pieces together? Would you do this when you're broke, hungry, thriving? Doesn't matter because like it takes that level of perseverance and anything. And I think people's problem a lot of times post start, like if you've started something is just not sticking with it long enough. And I think we live in an era where age is kind of become a little more vague on rules against you being a certain age doing something. Yeah. So like for anyone to give a fuck about forget your age, bro. For all you guys know, I'm 75 years old, right? It doesn't matter. Like at one point, like it really just matters the quality of work you put into something. So for anyone out there who's like, I'm too old for something, I'm to whatever for something no you're not yeah if you have an idea just go out there and try it and see what happens it just might work out true ryan i mean we were talking about this before the show just like some questions that we wanted to ask you and i don't know tell me if this is kind of the question that do you have like a like a, a radar or like a uh, some kind of filter that you put new artists through that you're like all right these all these things need to check this box like ryan was saying what was it that like how do you know when an artist is in it yeah absolutely and it cuts both ways so it's mm. like how do you as an artist know that a manager is really riding with you and how do you as a manager know this person's gonna ride 
Yeah. Got you. So that's a great question. So that's something that I definitely take into consideration when people come to my table in any way, shape or form. And I hope that my artists do the same for me where it's, uh, it's an equal distribution between actually it's probably unequal in the favor of hard work versus talent where it's like, I need to see that you have the skill sets that are necessary to perform the craft that you're doing. Um, so in an artist, you know, are you creative? Are you trying to push the envelope on yourself to create things that are new? Do you work endlessly at this thing to, to keep polishing and perfecting it? Do you have the energy and the perseverance to continue that forward? Um, those are things that are important to me. I, I read something in BMI's records where it showed what every top song of all time had in common. And the number one thing was a list of three things, but the thing that was first on the list is they did something new. Mm. So I always try to find guys who are trying to do something that hasn't been done. They're trying to find a new nuance on it, a new a new idea from something else. Like I'm always trying to see like where the next evolution point is in music. Like right now I've been assessing the fact that we've had a lot of digital technology enter the music spectrum. Right. And our palette has widely grown because of that. And anytime that something evolves and we get some kind of variable that gets thrown in like technology, for instance, uh, we tend to go into extremes of using those tools. And then eventually we take the things that were happening before that, variable got thrown in and then we get to like a new thing where we combined all the things that are in front of us into something cohesive so i'm looking for like what's next up like i always tell guys don't go making music trying to be like someone else because by the time you get good at making that type of music unless that's what naturally flows out of you you're gonna be late to the punch there's gonna be a whole nother lane of a whole new thing of someone who is just doing their thing within their own lane and somehow it fit the time. Like there's so much we don't like control in this. Like you can yeah, make the, an amazing song. Yeah. Of what people like. Exactly. You can make an amazing song and you can be like, this is the best song ever. And everyone on your team and everything agrees, but you put it out there and maybe it was just the wrong time in the universe, the wrong time in music. Maybe someone put an album out on that day, that chatter, that release. There's so many things that go on. So I'm looking for people who are making music that, um, is different. It doesn't have to be guaranteed successful in my mind. It just has to be good and different. And uh, mm. I, I like the peculiar ones. I like the outcasts, the guys who are trying to do something different, even though there's 20 more obstacles in front of them in order to get that. I like that guy. Give me that challenge. Mm. And then if we make it, we've got something new and something unique on our hands. And uh, I'd rather play the long game on that one. And then also, how hard are you working and uh, are you understanding the needs of each other um, and where the project's at, right? Like there's just different tiers of where you're at in this and each tier kind of requires a certain level of care. And uh, I think that can What be would be the tiers? <laughs> like if we could just give that roadmap. Sure. Like, I mean, like in the beginning of your career, you're trying to get as many bookings as possible. You're trying to do as many collabs as possible. Um Later in your career, you're moving on to doing headline things. And then even later in your career, you're curating events. You've, you're putting on artists below you. There's yeah. just different things that get tagged on to your level of responsibilities as you grow as an artist. You have a bigger fan base to take care of, meaning that there's 
merch and then you expand your team so like there's more people involved so there's just a different level of responsibility there's a team to feed too of course yeah. there's a team to feed too on top of everything and then there's just more to do and there's more expectations on you so like i really feel like when you're starting off like like you could hit the ground running really hard because you don't have as many of the things around you that take up a lot of your time outside of just the music. So in the beginning of your career, it's important to just get the music out there, make as much music as possible. Then it's important to start building your team and then getting you up on that staircase of like doing bigger shows with bigger artists, pulling in more people, getting more people to hear your music. And then eventually the final phase of this is like, you solidify some kind of movement on your own and then you pass that down to others. And um, I think that as we grow in our careers, we kind of fall under those three categories of like new in that bulk building phase. And then like I've established myself yeah. and uh, I'm passing it, it, that down. It kind of goes in hand with, I don't know where I heard this, but it's like you got like different stages of loving through your life. Sure. Like first you have to have self-love and then there's love for like your community and then there's love for all. And that's that kind of kind like of what I'm talking about, but yeah. in, in a strategy kind of way where like you first dial in yourself, then you get a team, you dial in that team and you start sending it in your ecosystem. And then once you've sent it in your ecosystem and it's thriving in that ecosystem, you start to tag more people along. You start to curate on a higher everyone. level. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah. you look at like where Grizz, uh, Grizz is a great topic point right now because he just, he just announced, announced his hiatus. Yeah. Grizz, go do your thing, my brother. I understand. Makes sometime. me want to see his show in Radius Absolutely, even more. <laughs> or at right? Radius Coming in up this Saturday, whoever's yeah. going, that's going to be one. Oh shit, I'm out of town. I forgot that that was the Saturday. Yeah, yeah anyway. he's got a, he's got a couple more events, but Grizz was a great example of like that whole process of like I remember the years of him dialing himself in musically and getting himself out there as much as possible and um then getting to the point where he's working with bigger artists and then getting to the point where he's doing his first headline tours and then yeah. getting to the point where he's got all good records and then moving on into yeah. curating his own festivals and Grismas and things like that and trying to like curate on a higher level to the point where like it's okay to hit a point where he hit where you could take a break even and dial back Skrillex just did it pretty lights just did it take two steps back to make three steps forward i think that it's okay to take pauses in life um as long as you're healthy and like uh it can secure yourself and preserve yourself it's okay to take time off to continue to build but in those first years i would recommend you know you hit it hard and um, try to get some of the uncomfortable things out of the way, like uh, the thousands of hours of touring and yeah. studio time. And the more you're prepared in the beginning, the easier the later steps will be. That's another thing to go back full circle on this is like, that's another thing I look for in artists too, is like, where's your catalog of music? Mm, like, what do you that's have? That's a big, yeah. What are you going to show me? What's your yeah, trading like, card? What like, do you have locked? Let me see the Pokemon binder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let me see what you have in the vault right now. So I know how prepared we are to send this into the future. Like uh, a large thing for me is like, if we have a lot of music that's ready to slingshot into the release basket, and then get ready to prepare out to the people, then we can full push this. If we don't have enough music, I'm probably going to recommend we just make more music and in the meantime do as many shows as we can that make sense, but yeah. not push ourselves too hard on that. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of lets me determine, so I guess to bring it back full circle, the amount of music you have and the quality that that music is, 
uh, in its abundance matters to where you're at in your career because I never want any of my guys to hit a point on tour where they're touring consistently and there's momentum to this thing going and then the people want more music but you don't have it. Yeah. And you're having to like try to make music on the road in between, you know, tour stops and you're on the bus constantly working on Ableton and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I have guys who work yeah. around the clock and that's just their itch, but also like it's good to have a foundation there musically. So that way you're more comfortable just making releases because when you get trapped in a place of like, I have to make new music, yeah, but it. I've made already so much and I'm tired. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's like, you know, you're touring you're making money mm -hmm. that's your livelihood potentially now full time totally you know it's like okay wait but i have to make the music still to progress exactly so that's important to as any young artist out there who's trying to hit the scene don't be afraid to take a couple years of your first years no matter when you start uh and build that catalog up um because it's gonna really come in handy when you hit the scene and you hit the road and then you can kind of just allow your team to curate that library into existence um, while you go out there and perform and be a rock star and uh, yeah, give it to the people. And, um, and, and then if you create more songs in the meantime, they're just getting lined up and you're being proactive about your future instead of setting yourself up in a position where... Uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have a hard point of uh, I'm, I don't know what to do because I've seen that yeah. happen and it's happened to me as well. Mm -hmm. We also get writers block as creatives all the for time sure. too, so we have to account for the moments in our life where that just naturally happens, and you have to break through that resistance. Whoever hasn't read this book should. It's called The War of Art. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It is all about how resistance comes into our equation as creatives and how to overcome that uh, resistance. And shout out to one of my guys on my team, Jim Murphy, is a phenomenal painter, and he brought this book into my existence, and it's uh, it's it's been something that's uh, stuck with me. I bring it everywhere. I give it out to people. I actually haven't read it, but someone was explaining to me kind of the boilerplate of it, and I was like, I should read that, but I haven't yet. Every creative out there should read it because we all experience moments where we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to write. I am stuck. I don't know where my career is at right now. I'm not sure how to pivot this in a direction I'm happy with. That book on a foundational level really explains generally how to break through some of those cycles and some of those dead ends. Mm. Um, and I think like being prepared with knowledge, again, knowledge is power. So always remain teachable. Uh, mm. Just learning some of these things like in applying them into your everyday operations and the things that you rhetoric out to your people consistently. Mm. Like I'm a man of like, really reaffirmations and affirmations like i preach the same philosophies yeah, yeah. over and mm -hmm. over and over again to my guys and myself as well in order to stay solid on some of these things i've learned throughout the years because uh i really believe that we perform best in routine and with armed with a lot of information yeah i got a question about just like you know someone who's starting out that doesn't know that much about management and just uh, is p potentially questioning whether or not they need management mm. um, and like what that point looks like. And then just like the other thing I was going to say is just like, what does bad management look like? Sure. And I'm sure there's tons of bad management, but like maybe like red flags, like if there's, I don't know, you know, because... Um, I haven't personally experienced sure. having so a Sure, so I would say you're ready for a point in, of management 
because at first like you're gonna make some music maybe put a band together put your music out there uh you're not as busy to the point where like you can't call up a local venue and make the booking or whatever like when you are at a point where you are running out of time because you're making so much music and you're putting on enough shows and you just need help running that whole operation that's one sign that you need a manager another sign is like if you hit a moment with like a song that like takes off for mm, instance yeah that's another example of like you should probably put a team behind that right away because really? it, to just capitalize on capitalize it. and then also secure yourself to be able to handle what's coming next because you're going to need the hands on deck for what's coming next if you got something that takes off um also just like um just having that music again like being prepared on the back end with your own self like and uh i think that it's one of those weird relationships in life where like you almost don't go looking for it it kind of finds you and i know mm. that's like hippie vague whatever if you want to call it that but it's really true i feel like in the right moment when you're actually ready and your career is ready for it a manager will find you you'll find a manager mm. there'll be someone at your show at that hits you up on the dms whatever yeah. that'll be like hey man this is really taken off like i really like what you do let's see if we can work together and that works on both sides where like with ben it was more on like the side of like he was like dude like we have a good working relationship let's see what we can do together and then on others it's like me going to them and being like yo this project is great like let's see what we can do together well, we end up finding each other when the moment is right i believe that the universe has divine timing dude the serendipity it has a serendipitous yeah. timing to it to where like you'll know when the time is it's almost like a gut feeling with a little more preempted yeah. information so you really shouldn't be looking for a manager unless nah. you got that gut feeling where like i think i might need a the, manager the signs of the yeah the signs of what's going on around you will point to like you need a manager things are getting too heavy of a workload for you the music's yeah. taking off etc that and there's enough things that'll get presented in front of you to where you'll know. Yeah. Uh, bad management. Let's go to that. Um, I, I, I feel like maybe a better way to ask this question is like, you know, you get in with a manager and maybe like the more specific, like technical things, like what do contracts look like? Mm -hmm. And like, what does a bad contract look like? Sure. Like what does, and then also just general red flags. I feel like. Sure. So, uh, for the most part, like the, at its very foundational level, like you should look for something in a manager and it's one word, it's called integrity. And you should look for that in all people you work with from the get go. So like, what's the oh. reason this person is in this They're not for like clinging on? To you. Yeah. Like, are they in it for a bag? Like I'll never pick up an artist just because they're a money grab type thing. Like I have to be passionate about it that artist should assess that manager and be like, why is this person working in management? Why are they approaching me? And make sure that their heart sits in the right place. Like they're truly passionate about what they do as well. So right from the get go, you should be able to establish like whether someone has a genuine connection to working with you or if there's a means to an end there. And I'm not saying that like you can't win from a situation where you find someone who's who's you got a means to an end through you and you through them and you kind of wash each other's hands that happens but i think long-term relationships are forms that work well together are formed when we start off on an equal passion point um and then from there on out is someone who you need someone who understands the industry so like you said like contracts for instance and if you if that manager doesn't understand contracts like for me i'm i'm lucky i had a uh 
I was trying to be a lawyer in college and I obviously didn't go through with law school because here I am today. But um, there was exposure to contracts, but still we'll consult a lawyer if we need to find someone who is, if they don't know the answer, they will go and find that answer by any means possible. Because just like anything else, like if you're a new artist, you might get a new manager. Like I still consider myself a new manager. It's been a couple of years on doing this and like couple- having a new manager might be like the best too. Cause they're like, you grow together. Yeah, dude, like, we got to make this work. I hopped on the scene hungry yeah. and my guys were hungry and together. Like I love when we can shake hands and say let's grow together because then we've accepted that like we both are hungry for this and we're both willing to eat some losses together and learn and navigate through this uh very difficult industry together actually like people are like oh this industry looks so much fun it is don't get me wrong the most fun we have such fun on the road and putting together these amazing events and making beautiful pieces of art and music i love it but there's also a lot of stress that comes with it so you got to find someone who's willing to walk that road with you. It's like a marriage almost mm-hmm. or like a therapist where you like, you want someone to be there for the long haul. Someone to kind you of, can talk to. That you could talk to. Like I, uh, I'm like a bona fide therapist at the end of the day. <laughs> Seriously. Where like my guys call me with music problems, relationship life problem, problem, life problems, yeah. because my job at the end of the day is not only to manage their business, but to make sure that they are secure and okay as a person as well. Right. To make sure that their life is functioning because like Maslow's hierarchy and needs tells us there's multiple things needed in order to make us successful and happy and fulfilled and whole, right? So as a manager, I have to take into account your personal life as well. If you're going through a breakup, I got to step in there and like set set up a boys trip. Let's go on a team retreat. <laughs> let's let's go skateboard. Let's go hang out. If you're going through a moment where you're doubting your music, let's like figure that out. Like if your parent died, let's take time for that. Like it's all these things it's on a professional level and on a business level, there has to be cohesion and communication. That that word right there actually is probably the most important thing. Like the three prongs should be like passion, perseverance, and uh, what did I just say? Cohesion. Cohesion and communication. Yeah. Like communication is important. You have to be passionate about something. You have to be persistent about that passion. And in the midst of all that, remain solid with being able to communicate. And then you and get cohesion. Totally. Like I tell my guys all the time too, like if I do something wrong, guys, or if you think I'm not doing something right, bring it up to the table. If you want me to work harder, tell me. Sometimes we don't see those things in each other. And as a manager, like I encourage to push my guys as hard as I can, but I also expect that vice versa. And like all my guys do it in one way, shape or form where like we all fill each other's needs on pushing each other as far as we can go. And I think like that level of looking out for each other really makes a big difference because like we're not looking for a one year relationship here that's going to just catapult us and then we're going to find another one just like a marriage or a relationship like it's kind of exhaust unless that's your goal but it doesn't it doesn't feel cohesive when you're a month with this person a month with that person yeah it's a lot of transitioning going on so in this industry it's like moving like i hate moving it's like there's moving. like two months of just like trying to figure out where that everything readjustment goes. period so it's good yeah. to find people that you could see yourself with for the long haul and yeah. make sure your short-term and long-term goals align with that person. For sure. You know. I, I also just want to talk a little technical things. And sure. going back to the contract, like what is a basic contract look like? 
Just, I mean, I'm, maybe there's tons of different kinds. But. So it, it really depends on like what the contract's uh, nature is in context of its topic. So for instance, a label contract has to outline things like ownership and licensing and financial splits and whether the earnings from royalties are gross or net and what that breakdown looks like, sure. how many resources are getting put into something. Basically, a contract should detail out every piece of that equation in a way that's understood clearly by both parties. So in what you're laying out is kind of like something you would help an artist with deal with figure out like how to if this is a good deal or whatever sure, but like absolutely. i mean i guess maybe this is a naive question but like would you get into a management position with someone without signing a contract like i'm kind of talking more about like the contract between an management artist and an, artist. an artist and a manager yeah um i think in the beginning it's okay if you don't put it on paper just to test the waters with people and see kind of how it'll work out I think yeah. as I think I think it's appropriate to put contracts on things when when money comes into play. Right. I think when you're at a point where the projects are monetizing, and uh, that money has to get divvied out fairly to people. That's why, like I mentioned, the label contract. Like the labels are usually putting in money for your release. That's why you got. Yeah. chosen by a label they're gonna yeah. back that up to put it out there so whenever money is involved and legality is involved you're gonna want to put a contract behind it of some sort because yeah. otherwise later you get into these gray areas of like oh we made all this money how did it get distributed where did it end up going maybe someone like i just read i'd listen to some podcast where jake paul was talking about how his inner circle ripped like millions of dollars from him mm. because he wasn't paying attention and like didn't have his like proper pieces of paper in line to like prevent him from that so like as much i think that's the nuance there is like like you need a contract between an artist and a manager once there's money coming in yeah because you hear horror stories of like huge like elvis like i've talked about this on the podcast where he just got like really screwed over by his manager manager and it was very predatory and you know i i guess just like the reason i'm asking this is because as in someone who's a new artist that's like oh i'm i think i'm at that point mm -hmm. i think i need a manager what like i'm sure there's resources out there but you know it's just like yeah, so there's even companies out there that'll do like a harder versus a soft launch where like oh, they do like, a, like I know agencies do it, some management companies do it where it's like, okay, we'll test the waters with you. Let's do a soft launch. We're not going to put mm. this on contract yet. Let's see, just see how we work together. We put a month or two of work in. We do well together. Let's put a contract on this. Gotcha. Like give it some proof of concept sometimes. Yeah. A lot of times some big companies will try to put you under contract right away. Just get that out of the, the equation. Like if you're going to a big management company with that has some precedent in the game and has some neck in the game it's okay to probably sign a contract right off the get-go because you already know how that manager is going to perform right if you're finding some independent guy who's trying to grow with you like how i started with my guys it's okay if because at first you gotta understand like it, it, the capital factor is relevant to every business where like you got to put money you make back into the business for it to grow properly yeah so at first like when you're making like novel sums of money like 500 bucks <laughs> a grand whatever like little bits of money in, in the game. A lot of that's going to go back into the project for photographers, music videos, recording time, PR, whatever it is that you need at that moment in time. So at first, like I really like taking that approach of my artists in the beginning 
where I was like, let's just dump this money back into the project. Yeah, put it back in the And that was like, and that was, and this is again, like, this is just my Mm. story and things that have worked for me. I understood that factor in the beginning and I wasn't a huge corporation that had the financial backing to dump personally into these artists. So at first I was okay eating a percentage, you know what I mean? Like loss from my end or taking that away for the beginning and keeping myself whole in the meantime in order to get the projects to where they need to go. And then when there's money coming in to be had, like you can make that division. But if there's like a huge management company that takes you on and they already have that big financial backing, there's, you know, you could sign that contract because you know that they have the capabilities already and there's financial backing that's going to go into that. But I think the money's really important. So like once money comes into play, do we need to pause real quick? Everything <laughs> no. there's John. They're just chilling. It looks okay, like okay. Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, water. They're grabbing some water. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So just want to make sure that they're all set. So when it comes to contracts, I think the money is really the important piece. Like, yeah. if there's money involved, you should put a contract behind it. Yeah. Okay. Because gotcha. um, it's really what you're gonna dispute in that contract at the end of the day. Where's the money going? Yeah. I, no, it's just something I haven't dealt with. I think a lot of people probably haven't dealt with. So it's just useful information for potential listeners. Totally. And then once you lock in a contract, it sets expectations as well. Mm. So like you could hold each other accountable to something. Um, so I do recommend that even if you're a young manager, or a young artist getting a, a manager or whatever to eventually get to the point of putting a contract behind things just because the there's a lot of convolution that can happen if you don't put something on a piece of paper. So once it gets to the point of like, oh yeah, we have funds coming in. We need to allocate these funds to our team properly. Let's put a contract behind it. And again, it's just one of those periods of time in your career where you'll know. Yeah. You'll know when it's time to to put a piece of paper behind something. Someone will nudge you too. That's around you. If you're working at a professional level to any capacity, someone's going to be like, yo, where's the contract? Mm. someone in that room will be like hold up what are the splits yeah, yeah what like- are the splits let's figure this out because we're all working here yeah you know what i mean so sure. and i'm never about like not getting someone paid like let's just get everyone paid and the artists come first always in my mind i'd rather eat a loss than have them eat a loss um but at the end of the day i do believe that you should be paid out for your work um if you put out a quality product of any kind of quality service you deserve to get paid you know what i mean yeah. So it's just a delicate for me. But it was, it's, it, yeah. when you say that, it's interesting because it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. I'll just work for exposure. Like, you know what I mean? It's like in this day and age, you got a lot of people that are not they don't know their value. And maybe their value is also potentially going down when there's so much like music out there and whatever. But like, you know, it's just. I don't know. Yeah, there's a point where, yeah, you got to get fucking paid. You got to get paid, right. And I think it's appropriate, too, to take things for leverage and for opportunity and for exposure in the beginning. But there hits a point where we're like, okay, hard cut off on those. And, like, the power of no becomes really important. Like, the amount of times you say no to something is going to bring you closer to that yes you actually want. For sure. So 
like once it gets time to start putting no's in front of things, like no, we won't take that two hundred dollar offer. We want a thousand, right? You might take ten of those no's before you actually get that thousand. But like once you get that thousand, then you could ask for fifteen hundred next, and you build that up. And I think that like the goal should be to build your value as you progress as a musician, as the quality of your craft increases, as the amount of eyes that are on and ears that are on your project increase. Mm. It's important to start setting those terms with people because the storm that'll come after of not being able to financially organize and like structurally organize your operation can tank you. Michael Jackson's always the best example. My dad was like, you could be Michael Jackson and go broke. It's pretty simple if you spend more money than you make. So like really finding a good system to how that money gets trickled and allocated and to who it goes to and for what reasons is important. And a lot of times a contract kind of like lays that out importantly. So I think everyone uh, knows what is happening. Exactly. There's no one left in the dark and I never want to leave someone in the dark on something. Uh, I've definitely heard horror stories of people, you know, getting ripped off by their managers, running off with a bunch of money, vice versa, et cetera. And those stories make me sick, man, because I'm like, yo, I'm out here and I know I've put in work for free for some of my guys and, uh, that work was fruitful and like my heart's always been in the right place. So like when I hear, you know, that happening, like it makes me sad. So it does encourage me to like, at least, in, you know, put the word out there to get contracts up when it's time because, uh, yeah. you want to avoid that. But again, that could all be avoided if you really take enough time to judge the integrity of a person before you get into bed with them. Yeah. Build those like interpersonal relationships. And I feel like another thing that I'm just hearing a lot is like, you really got to trust your gut. Like oh, you got to like, yeah. be like, I think it's time. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, you know, like, yeah, I always say your gut's your best advisor. Usually like you'll feel that. I think as animals, we have evolved with instincts that sometimes in today's society, since things survive, the elements of survival have changes changed <laughs> yes. quite a bit. We yeah. survived differently than we did a hundred thousand years ago. Yeah. So, uh, we've had these instincts with us forever, like anxiety and like feeling confident about something, feeling the momentum of something. Those are all things that are very gut oriented, very root chakra oriented. And I'm not even like the hugest believer in like, you know, aligning your chakras and things. But like, I feel that that in particular is like something that you feel in your gut mm-hmm. where important decisions in your life and where you should go with things. You should listen to your head for sure. But your gut's a great advisor where like though your nervous system and your brain are connected and like feeling how your nervous system is feeling about something is a good in- indicator of like maybe what's going on in your surrounding trust that your body has, is this perfect, beautiful design. It's like software and hardware that's so well put together to tell you and communicate to you what's going on around you. And you have a read of your environment at all times that's letting you know what the next move is if you're just careful enough to see that and identify it. I think that that's just like probably the most important thing we can talk about because it's the half the time we've been telling people or just, you know, generally advising people things you maybe should do, maybe shouldn't do, definitely don't do. And I feel like there's this thing where like you read so much self-help and you start to not even know what your gut is because you've heard so many different pieces of advice that you're like, I I don't even know what to fucking do. This topic right here is really important, guys. So what he just said actually is some golden nugget shit because (laughs) because uh, 
what worked for me might not work for you. Like when successful people are like, here are the 10 things that yeah, I, I did that make yeah. me successful. And it's like, okay, you might pick up and one of those things might work for you, but everyone has to find their like proper balance of things and situations and skill sets and whatever it is to fine tune their version of success. So like whenever I see like a 10 list of something for success, I'm like, screw that. I'm not reading that because yeah. it's taken me already so long to develop what success for me looks like, which I unfortunately is not going to be what success for you looks like. Like the people that pass down game to me, my success looks different than theirs, even though I took pieces of their game with me. Yeah. And like everything's an evolution of something else and an evolution of a combination of things going into it. Like nature, nurture in the form of many things kind of entering your life. Like I said, like I just walked in trying to play blues guitar, learned a whole bunch of other things, somehow ended up here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's just like frustrating because it's like, oh, it was just like it just luck. This happened to you. But I mean, you just got to be patient, man. I, patience I don't know. Is like, virtue. Fucking... Patience is virtue. Patience and consistency. And I, I'm, I'm also someone where like, I'm, I'm so hard on myself and like, I'm like never at the point that I want to be, but growing up and maturing, I'm kind of like, you, you know, you got to like take your wins. Acceptance, dude. Acceptance <clears throat> is huge. Like accepting what's going on right here, right now. Yeah. And being okay with that, no matter what that is, and finding a way to get to the next thing from that piece of moment is important. And I think a lot of times we're hard on ourselves. I'm like, man, I should be here right now, but I'm feeling like I'm not here right now. Yeah. Just take your eyes away of like should and shouldn'ts and like try to put them on like what you can do and what's in your control. Yeah. And uh, no matter what the outcome is, if you put in your all to something. Yeah, give it your best. Give it your best. Definitely. Uh, you could at least walk away from it saying, hey, I tried this, man. And I actually put in all my effort. If you come out of it and you're like, man, I could have worked harder. Maybe it's not time to give up. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you could you could dial that in a little more. But if you're going to walk away from something like at the end of your like to me, I plan to walk away from this at the end of my life when I die. So like I want to be sitting on my deathbed thinking like, okay, like I'm pretty happy with the things that happened. They might've not been perfect. They might've not happened all in the time that I thought they were going to happen, but at least I went out there and I tried and I gave my best. And in that process, I guarantee you each and every one of you will find success in your own way. If you keep at it. Real, real dude. All right. Well, you know, we've been going, I don't know how long we've been going. Yeah. doesn't matter, but you know, there's a couple of things that like, Maybe I could ask you afterwards, just like technical stuff, but I don't know. I feel like we've done a good job. We've covered. The, I also don't want to sound too, too preachy, you know. Either. Yeah, we've covered the basics. I mean, like at the end of the day, guys, just go out there and do what you love, and go try to be the best at it. And it's never going to be a perfect process, um, but you know, feet first, and the the body will follow. Yes. I, I wanted to ask a fun little wrap up question. Hit me with it. Um, normally I ask about like your most impactful concert, but that was something we already covered. Mm -hmm. Like you gave great answers, so Pretty we thoroughly. don't have to go there. But sure. something that I thought would be fun since, uh, you know, April Gray asked this on the last one and you being his manager, I feel like this is fitting. Uh, he asked us if aliens came down and we had to like give them 
our pinnacle of a rap hip-hop album. Oh, shit. What would be the thing that we present to him? And I don't know if you know his answer, but I I won't say it just... I don't actually know his answer. I did listen to the podcast, but like I don't remember <laughs> You're that You're a busy answer. man. Yeah. Yeah. I just know Abel killed it in that podcast. You <laughs> sounded good, baby. So it's all good. Um, but I'm going to pretend I don't know his answer, even if I, I might have a Maybe loose idea it, yeah. of it. For me, hip hop wise, there's bits between two. And uh, those two albums for me are going to be To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. And Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt. Mm. And I'll explain why those two albums, to me, if we could give the aliens some hip-hop, why I would send (laughs) those two. For one, I feel like Reasonable Doubt laid out like a blueprint. And it's crazy because Jay named his next albums after that, The Blueprint. There's one or two in between there, but got to The Blueprints, right? Like I feel like actually that album in itself is a blueprint for like boom bap transitioning into gangster rap. Mm. And it really exemplifies sharp, clever lyricism and wordplay with really melodic, beautiful beats. And it really summed up for me like what hip hop was at the time. That was an album I was exposed to rather early. Shout out to my uncle popping that into my head and around the second, third grade. And uh, I've studied that album my whole life and every time I revisit Reasonable Doubt I find something that I learned from that album and also I love it because he hit it when he was later and like he was already like 26 27 years old hopping on the scene no care in the world just like I know I have a piece of quality here I've been turned down by every record label known to man I'm just gonna fund this myself and boom Jay-Z if you follow his trajectory you can see the evolution of hip-hop in a beautiful way that's more on the tip of like, if you want to experience hip hop through Jay-Z, starting with that album, it'll give you a good read on like how hip hop evolved and like where it sits in society. A good hip hop album that really demonstrates the struggle of man. And I know that Kendrick is specifically talking about his community, right? But to me, like poverty and the struggles of man and the struggles of being a person and the struggles of struggling are really well laid out in How to Pimp a Butterfly. Contextually, Kendrick Lamar crafted a genius album that tells the story of man in his current state with all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Kendrick being the good of like, yo, I made it out of this community. There's success that's possible out there. But I'm not forgetting that this is still where I came from. This is what's going on on the other side of the spectrum from my life because I've experienced both. And Jay kind of hits on that too, but not quite yet in Reasonable Doubt. But in How to Pimp a Butterfly, you see Kendrick as a superstar at the time. He's already put himself in superstar territory. He's got a crown on his head after How to Pimp a Butterfly. Good Kid, Mad City went crazy that was abel's you know what i'm saying that was his pick that was his oh my god we both chose kendrick bro we were meant to be friends anyway (laughs) so that put him on the map as like yo you're a colossal artist and then he went and was like all right what's socially relevant for me to talk about what's important like my voice matters clearly here in this ecosystem so what can i talk about that's gonna be impactful and i think how to pimp a butterfly if the aliens wanted to Cause they're already coming down looking at us being like, oh, they're still fighting over money and territory. 
oh dude they don't know how to work together like they're still killing each other off like they're still like segregating people and like using divisive tools against each other (laughs) as unfortunate as it sounds human race um we're not at our greatest level of evolution right now as far as like cohesiveness between each other and i think how to pimp a butterfly lets the aliens know something they probably already know already looking down at us if they're studying because think about this to be able to be intergalactic and to be able to put that much organization behind something chances are they've moved past like fighting each other a long time ago to be able to achieve something so remarkable that even in our current advanced understanding of science we have no idea how to break that barrier of like moving across galaxies solar systems is even hard we barely making it to mars which we will do soon yeah but uh we're just scratching the surface on that and that's taken a lot of working together so how to pimp a butterfly would let the aliens know we're not quite where they're at (laughs) yet and i think it's good for them to know that but we're conscious of the fact that like there are struggles sure and we're trying to make it better it's just we don't know how yeah my dad actually like the other night we were having this conversation pretty much verbatim and he was like i don't think we're ever going to get to that point he was like because like without conflict and struggle he's like there really never is any progress so he brought Mm. on the counter argument you know what Okay, yeah, no, keep going. I'm sorry. Just last part of this, he brought on the counter argument that like maybe aliens have their own shit still going on too because in order to drive progress, like something has to like push us to do that. And a lot of times that's conflict and something going wrong. Think about it. You never learn anything that amazing on a great day. Something, Something I was thinking about was that, you know, it freaks, like the AI stuff freaks me out. But I had like a positive thing about it that, you know, if AI is going to become this like big uh, just issue in terms of mm. so many things for us, that maybe what will happen is it will be like AI versus humans. And I really hope we can work together, but at least there is a divide. And then it puts all humans on one side to be like, all right, we got to work together. Otherwise, this thing that we've created is going to take us so down. there's like two thought trajectories to that right there's like the uh, scientists and, and academics call like the one side of that like the nihilistic approach of like these are evolving past our evolution like technology is evolving fast evol- ai is evolving to surpass us and we have to team up as humans to counteract that the other which is like the more optimistic i think a like end point is that we merge with it successfully in a singularity so yeah. i think that like i think that you, there can be both though where it's like we unify each other as humans because we understand that there's this existential mm. threat and then at the same time we find a way to integrate successfully find, yeah find a way because if ai is going to be like the the brain and all of us humans are the ant colony all sure. of us something i also think about is like human beings are kind of like a body like we're all the different cells doing different things combination of things but there is a brain sure and having a brain a centralized brain like ai could be could be the shit it could be the thing that could could make us the shit but i mean i don't know there's just a lot of things that could go so i really believe it could go in those two forks of the road right and i'll end it with this because it's a wise way to look at this perspective when the atom was split in the 1940s at the university of chicago right here in our beautiful city if 
you got anyone who doesn't know that. Wait, what? I didn't realize that was like the first. So the atom was split here in Chicago at the University of Chicago. They could have fucked shit up, dude. Dude, they did (laughs) fuck shit up, technically. really almost made a big mistake. Yeah, really. (laughs) So in that process, they got all these scientists and leaders together to see if they should release this information. To Bro, Oppenheimer? Sorry, that movie just looks bomb. I just bomb, like, dude. I, need, I want to see that too, dude. I'm going to definitely tap into that because I know that's out there. I'm like, uh. So uh, Einstein in that process brings up a great point and he was on the vote of like, we shouldn't do this because he expressed the concern that just like a knife can be used to cut your loaf of bread, it can also be used to kill someone. And that we are such a wide range of people, good, bad, everything in between, that knife's going to go to good and bad hands. So maybe we should keep this under wraps. The counter argument to that was like, cat's already out of the bag, bro. If we've yeah. got this figured out, maybe the Russians do too. Maybe Cuba's got it figured out, et cetera. So Germany's probably working on this as we speak. They got it in the bag. That fear of like, this if we're like you know how like sometimes you have an idea and then you see like someone on tv with that same idea killing it like two months later and you're like i wish i should have did that idea yeah so i believe that like there's a collective consciousness aspect to all this like parallel thinking because we're all at this point okay what's the next thing because it's rather simple of an explanation to think that like if we're experiencing the same things the same variables the same technologies in the same period of time Having the same ideas, given those variables that we all share, given the time we live in, it's not as crazy to think that someone else is also smart and has had that idea out there with you. So I think that was like the the final judgment on that. So with AI, it's like, I think the similar approach is going to be taken where it's like, it's not yeah, but no, it's like cats out of the bag. The best thing we can do now is find a successful way to integrate without like killing ourselves off somehow which uh yeah it's gonna be tricky we're gonna see i I feel like the thing too is like you know the united states is gonna have their own ai each ai is gonna be different based on what we feed them maybe some are gonna be psychopathic some are gonna be like fed with just loving humans so like we we love humans we should definitely feed them more like a diet for an ai should be like 80 percent human beings we love them absolutely 20% just like technical shit and then think about it this way like uh for the longest time the military and the government and if there is any like most funding comes from there right my parents my grandparents my dad everyone's military people i'm the first generation first male in my family not to be in the military shout out to the fucking black sheeps out there who are trying to set a different way but uh I mean, it wasn't really my grandparents and my parents' fault. Like, we just had mandated military where we're from and a lot of wars going on. We're coming out of World War II and World War I and the Balkan Wars, et cetera. So it was mm-hmm. ne- the Cold War. It was necessary. But um, uh, for me, it's like, if we're still, like, dividing ourselves in that way, yeah. like, we're probably going to make divisions in our technology to serve those means to ends right yeah so unless we can like i think my biggest goal is like and i think i've gotten this perspective because i'm not from america i'm from europe and uh i like to think of myself as a citizen of the world yeah. i'm like yo the, the economy is pretty global why can't we 
be working better together on a personal level there, there's just gonna be that point where like it has to maybe ai will be that thing because we'll have this thing that scrapes all of the internet and like sure global like it's just like this global network who knows i think my deduction from like because ai has been a hot topic oh, for yeah. everyone on my team everyone around me yeah like we sh- even with i was chilling with boogie t's tour manager yvonne this last weekend and even me and him struck up like where's ai taking our industry and that's been a common oh, yeah. conversation between all of us and uh, i think my one realization is just like how the internet came out and we were like this is gonna rock shit whoever realized it realized it we knew it was gonna rock shit i'm at a similar focal point now where i'm like ai is not going anywhere it's gonna rock shit and we gotta figure out a way to integrate this successfully otherwise we might have some boo-boos yeah i mean i feel like inevitably it's just that the boo-boos we don't want them to be too bad too bad it's okay if they're little and they help us along the way to get to where we need to go but um yeah, I think it, we have power in mitigating some of those things because we're rather intelligent at this point as yeah. human beings. And we have very sharp knives. Very sharp knives. Very, very, very sharp knives. So it's careful. We have to be careful how we use them. So I'm going to remain always on the side of optimism. Yeah, me, I agree. I am optimistic about it. I'm going to accept the fact that it could go sour. Though. I'm just a little bit like... <laughs> we'll see what Devil's advocate. Here. Just see, Yeah, interested. Just interested, honestly. Because it's it really is the the new thing like the internet. It's like the new internet. And I don't think I think people are talking about it like oh yeah. But I hear a lot of resistance from people being like, oh well yeah. I mean all AI does is just take in input and like do other and stuff and output, it's like stealing yeah. stuff. And I'm like, isn't that more what com- we, we kind of do, anyway. do as human mm-hmm. beings? Like mm-hmm. aren't we like all? I mean I don't know. We I haven't figured that- out the nature nurture thing, but like. I mean, I think that, I I think that, uh, just like anything, just like anything else, like, uh, it's a tool that gets brought into our, uh, equation and, uh, we have to learn how to harness this tool Yeah, and how to use it properly. And there might be a little bit of like a gray period of like us figuring it out. And I'm willing to accept that in everything. Like we're going to go through a period of, we're going to figure this out. We're going to make some mistakes. And hopefully, like you said, the mistakes just won't be that bad. Yeah. And honestly, there's really nothing me and you can do about it. Nope. So let's sit back and watch. And dude, have you ever tried VR? Yeah. I mean, not a lot, but it is really cool. Come over to Kofresi's house with me one time. Uh, I'm moving back to Chicago in like a month. So uh, yeah, I'd love to come send it because for for some reason, like that uh, virtual reality world and like now that AR is coming out, like Apple. The Apple thing. Yeah. uh, We're moving into territories that like. I think whether we like it or not, we got to <laughs> yeah. like at least learn about We're all them. just going to be sitting here like some black mirror talking. episode. Yeah, dude, it's scary, but whatever. We'll figure it out. But here's the solution. Like my dad is a software engineer. He's been one for like the, he's a nuclear physicist by education, but he's been a software engineer since we moved to America. And so uh, he's, he's smart. My family <laughs> is pretty intelligent, educated. Yeah, definitely. Like we, like these are the type of topics we talk about at the dinner table, like yeah, football, this Fox News, CNN, like that really ain't on our topic list, like quantum mechanics and like, you know, running theories and physics. And like my mom's a, a, psycho- a psychologist and like, where's the brain going? Oh, like, that's what are we a cool. That's a, like a really cool dichotomy. balance of yeah. people. Yeah, I really believe that. that really, but yeah, yeah, like yeah. Both no, it is. There's a dualism there. Just a position. Yeah. So. Those are the conversations going on in my house all the time. So like I uh I think that as humans the beauty of us as a species is like our 
deep and everlasting curiosity towards figuring anything and everything out. And I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where we're like, we figured everything out, but that's the beauty of life is that uh, it's always about the pursuit, like that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. It says it in the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence as well. It's the pursuit of happiness. I think it's the yeah. pursuit of things that push us forward. There's no end point. Yeah, I agree. And we're in an infinite universe. That was like something we were talking about before too, about like people who don't know what to do. There's so much to do. And like the other thing that's nice is like there is so much more out there. It's not like we're at a point as beings where we're like, bro, we don't have anything to do. <laughs> like that would suck. <laughs> like maybe aliens are just like, I, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole. But yeah, I'd <laughs> but say. But you know what I mean? It would be bad to be like, well, we're gods now and we're bored. Yeah, we're going to chill on Mount Olympus and just, you know, drink brewskis. That's the what boys. the fucking Greek gods would do. They would literally torment the humans. Absolutely. <clears throat> they were like, yeah, fuck it. Do I like have sex with like my, f like, dude, it's just like all fucked up. You totally. Know I mean? like, when, like, when you give people that kind of crown of like, I've accomplished everything. I am a God. I am enlightened whatever. Like, what do you do then? It's like, okay, that's great and all, but like on a practical level, like there's blood moving through you. Like you should be doing something. And, uh, yeah, I find that, uh, the, that's the best thing about us as people is like, we do so many amazing things and like. People think what we do is amazing as musicians. I think like what doctors do for me personally, like scientists yeah, and doctors uh -huh. are like the most fascinating to me. I had heart surgery two years ago. I had both my heart valves replaced. Really? Best thing that ever happened to me. Made me very grateful for life. And like I approach life with a lot of gratitude now. Uh, but like you, I have just, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, did you feel way better afterwards? Hell yeah. Well, no, yeah. I felt worse than I felt better, but okay. yeah, the recovery period was rough. But, um, anyway, like just like being grateful for life is, is a beautiful thing. And once you're grateful in it, like you want to just live it to the fullest. And I think that there's enough people out there that are doing that. And for me personally, like I'm the most fascinated with like doctors and scientists where I think like every person that does anything out there that's remarkable is like worth appreciating it's like when people fan fanboy or fangirl on artists i'm like hey do you do this to your therapist too just wondering just wondering because <laughs> yeah. like we're like all just people that are good do. at things yeah. yeah well music i'm gonna try to not go down a rabbit hole i'm just gonna say that like music is really interesting because like there is a lot of math and there is a lot of like science is, that yeah. <laughs> has this like fun interplay between like oh why does this chord make well yeah like why yeah. does it make you feel this emotion it's like mm -hmm. i don't fucking know but it's cool <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and there's a fascination there because it touches us in a in a human way yeah i think that's like something that's common also between all great music is like it finds a way to touch us somehow where we're like oh i spiritually feel this like i i connect with yeah. this on a a deeper level so i think that that's why people are like oh musicians is because there's this like curtain there is where it's like oh like how does it even work and maybe we'll figure out and how to quantify why these things work but like right now it's hard. You, you go talk to like a doctor they're more like well yeah actually atp blah blah like you this know is what the I mean? formula like, yeah. <laughs> and this is exactly the components that make this up and if this goes wrong etc totally where for us we're like in in the creative spectrums it's like a little more loosey-goosey on that yeah. and it's almost like mystical like to me like the creation of a great song is like a magical moment where it really is like we don't even understand it as musicians or we're know, just like yeah. how the fuck did that just happen 
Yeah, I but it, but it did. So there is that like mysterious like marvel to what we do for sure. But yeah, getting out of the way of yourself. I'll just say, and that we that do, is, like, and we thing. do appreciate the fans more than more than anything. You guys are the reason that we're able to do what we do, um, and to be able to do it at a level that we do it at, while being able to live good lives. And thank you for that to everyone out there who tunes in and listens to these podcasts. Let's go. Listens to these songs. Like you guys are really what's keeping us going here. So, uh, yeah. Shout outs. I was just going to say we can end with some shout outs. Shout You've shouted out a lot of people, but definitely. So main shout outs, of course, to the fans, the inspirations that we've had out there. Top two shout out to all the support that we've had from our families uh, shout out to my whole team from Kofresi to Abel Gray, Say What, Kaleidoscope, Jim Murphy. Look up all those guys. They make incredible music. Uh, shout out to everyone who's taught me something I didn't know along the way and everyone who's checked me when I haven't been doing what I was supposed to. Mm. And to that, I'll drink some of this legally highest THC stuff. <laughs> so I don't drink alcohol, but cheers, all right. dude. This has been a great cheers, podcast. Cheers, man. Yeah, this has been fun. You can, you can come back whenever, man. We'll do another one we'll do in another a year session. or something. We'll do a, a year or so. We'll see where we're Time at Time capsule. Things. That's what but I really appreciate it. This podcast yeah. is great. Thanks, man. Um, appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate this you. This has been a sick conversation. Thanks for coming through, man. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, Cheers. on to the next. Later. Have a good night. Or maybe it's morning. I don't know. <laughs> but have a good day. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>